Hey, Bookworms Pod listeners, Kristen here. Um, I sat down to edit our solo bonus episode this week, um, and I realized we had almost two hours of content. Um, so we will be splitting up um, this episode into two slightly smaller episodes um, that will bring them a little bit closer to uh, the length that you guys are used to. Um, the second half should be dropping on Thursday. So, without further ado, let's get into it. And welcome to episode bonus episode eight or something of the Book Wars pod, where we will be discussing solo. I have no idea whether or not we've been numbering bonus episodes, but I know this is bonus episode eight because we have been internally numbering the episodes. I, I've been numbering them when I post them, so don't worry about it. Great. This is bonus episode number eight. We're discussing solo colon a Star Wars story. Also, Chris has the hiccups, y'all. Is that what it's called? Yes, it is. Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, Chris has the hiccups. Chris has the hiccups. So you can hear that little, that that lovely hiccuping noise. Chris has very loud hiccups, so this is very entertaining for me. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. (laughs) Um, Before we get into uh, why everyone's takes are wrong, um, (laughs) what are you guys drinking? Um, I am having uh, gin... Uh, it's the Roku Jin from Japan that Chris's Ooh. parents got for us. Um, except for, again, I'm drinking it out of the straw because I just started Invisalign, and I believe Chris just posted a picture of me looking real sad drinking gin out of a normal like cocktail glass, except with a fucking straw in it. Yep. Hey. So as you're listening to this, go back on our Instagram somewhere between two and twenty days, presumably, <laughs> and you will see yeah. the picture of Kate drinking from a reusable straw. We be traveling, so who the fuck knows when this shit's gonna come out? Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> probably next week, but you don't know. What probably week we're by recording, episode nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> good one, Chris. Oh God, um, Chris, what are you drinking? Are you drinking anything? Have you learned from your past mistakes of not drinking anything like interesting? Or are you just drinking well? I I have or? a drink. It's just water. Okay, that's fine. That's better than no drink, which has been your no, favorite I specifically, drink No, I specifically did not let myself drink this water until we started recording. It's true. So that I could say I had a drink. <sighs> you did it. I, I, so I know. I finally, you. we're on bonus episode eight after like 50 some odd episodes. I finally figured, figured it out. God damn it, these hiccups. <laughs> it's a good day. I love how we're like, we're not waiting until they go away. Let's start. Nope. <laughs> Clearly not. No, but I just like, I like vaguely cut out alcohol and also like just started a diet bet thing. So I'm trying to not drink sugary drinks either. So here we are. Ooh, good job, dad. Hell. Proud of you. I don't know what you're doing, but drink tea without anything in it. It's delicious. Um, <laughs> I assume you already do that. Indeed. Indeed no, I do. You do. Okay, good. Yeah. Just drink tea with nothing in it. It's delicious. Um. <laughs> 
I'm drinking I'm drinking Montucky cold snack because it is the season. And I've already had a few before. For gay. Well, yes, but tis the season for just light beers. It's like sunny here. So I like that it's It's for gay. I I know it's for gay. Thank you. It is also for gay. (laughs) It's multifaceted. (laughs) And I like that it's 8% back to local causes, as I say, every time I drink it. It's great. Because somebody should be getting money from me getting drunk. (laughs) What? They should. You're awesome. It's beautiful. Um, okay, so I think from what I understood on the outline, this is a lot of social media questions that we received about Solo and our thoughts about Solo. Not really factual questions about Solo. That may have been more fun. Um, but <laughs> our opinions on Solo, because apparently y'all want to know for some reason um, what the fuck we think. Uh, why? Um, but... Before that, we wanted to do our reaction because it differs somewhat from the fandom. It sure fucking does. Um, so I'm just going to straight out say I walked out of the theater the first time I saw Solo and I absolutely loved it. Um, Same. Yeah, saw it. I saw it again with Chris uh, this past weekend and it, Honestly, it holds up for me. Like, you know, there are things that I definitely wish they had done differently. But on the whole, I really liked the tone of it and the feel of it. Um, I, you know, there are a lot of um, little aspects of it that I enjoyed. And we're obviously going to talk about that cameo at the end. But um, overall, yeah, it just kind of feels a lot like the original trilogy. And that it's just kind of like this... this um, Rollicking space adventure. It's a lot smaller stakes. Um, so I thought it was um, honestly, in some ways, easier to get into, into than the saga films. And it's, I think it's going to be one of those movies that, um, you know, when you're like just, you, you know, you're at home and you want to put something on in the background and you just like pop a movie in. And obviously, it, for, for us, it's a lot of different Star Wars movies, but I think this is going to be like towards the top of my list in terms of those. Um, once it exists in a home format. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I Like, I was just thinking, I have to get on a, a flight this week to far away, and I was like, oh, I wish I had Solo. I wish it was out. Oh. I would watch the shit out of that on a plane. <laughs> oh. Like, in the best way possible, right? Oh, it's hell like, yeah. You know, like, I always download uh, A New Hope and Empire for when I'm on the plane, just because, like, I, those, I know those the best. Right. Um, but this is like kind of up there, kind of with like the nostalgia. I don't know. I don't know why it's, no- it feels nostalgic to me. Cause I think it feels original, original trilogy to me as well. Yeah. I think I, I definitely, I definitely think that's true. Um, and I think part of it probably is that, um, Ron Howard and George Lucas have been buddies for like a million billion years. And, um, you know, for better or worse, Ron Howard's the kind of guy who really likes to appeal to nostalgia and, you know, to the point where uh, there are a lot of movies of his that get real hokey about that, um, which I thought this largely escaped. But, you know, he really does have um, his fingers on that and that, like, sepia tone pulse, if you will. <laughs> For sure. But, I did like, like... It also didn't feel old. Yeah, totally. Totally. Definitely. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Oh, no. Just on the nostalgia note, I did enjoy Alexandra Petri's tweets about, like, oh, look, these dice that I care so deeply about with all of my soul. Oh my god. 
You know what? I do like the dice. I do care about the dice, okay? I care about the dice because now I just look... I, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting in the movie and sometimes I would be like really enjoying like, oh, Young Han. And then be like, you died because your son's a dick. So, it's true. <laughs> like literally no, right? during the movie. Oh my God. I know. <sighs> Do we think uh, they did that on purpose? Were they like Han's dead so now we can come out with a Han movie? I don't even know. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this was announced before TFA came out. Yeah, but those bitches knew Han was going to die. Yeah, so I mean, I guess just the question is, <laughs> because why what point the was TFA group. written? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I just want to throw either. Yeah, I just want to throw in here, um, since y'all y'all had a, a lot of feelings about this movie, I am shocked. But um, Rob Lintot, um, who is Keeks' friend, and he's been floating I around. I didn't say Ooh. what I thought of the movie yet. Now it's awkward. Now it's awkward. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yep. Chris, did gonna, you hate the movie? Let's just sit. Let's just sit with this for no, a minute. No, leave me alone. <laughs> um, no, I I liked it. I I it was I would say not my like super favorite Star Wars movie, but I like greatly enjoyed it. I I hate ranking the movies like one after another because my opinions can change on any given day. But I would say that this this one is like solidly like mid tier for me, which I was like very happy with. And how many tiers do you have personally, Christopher? Uh, I have three tiers. Um, my tier one films, since you asked. Oh, fuck me. Uh, so there's there's three tiers, as I'm I so said. I'm so sorry, guys. Shouldn't have said anything. Uh, my tier one is just like movies that like at any given point of any day, I can like pop in and watch and super enjoy. And for me, those are uh, A New Hope, Empire, Last Jedi, and Rogue One. And then I have tier two, which are movies that like I kind of have to be in the mood for, but still for the most part can enjoy at any given moment. Uh, and Solo definitely falls into that. Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, um, and TFA. Shit. How many is that? Eight? Yeah, that was eight. Uh, yeah, and TFA was the last tier two. And then tier three, which is movies where I just really need to be in. The, like, they're Star Wars, so I'll still watch them, but I just really need to be in the mood to enjoy them, and that's one and two. Uh, Chris, I think you're forgetting the Clone Wars movie. Because, oh, my God. you know, that was in theaters, too. So, there yeah, were no, 11 was Star it? Wars movies. Yeah, actually, it was. Isn't it only, like, 30 minutes? No, it's, like, an hour and a half, I think. Oh, okay. Sorry, I know nothing. Yeah, way. luckily, no one cares. Yeah. Hey, people care. They just don't matter. Anyway. There are idiots on the internet who are wrong. No, uh, so, anyway, about Solo. I liked it. Um, I also thought it was really fun. Um, I, much like I felt about Last Jedi enjoyed it a lot more the second time because I felt that the payoff in the third act was worth the buildup in the first two acts. Um, I thought the acting was really good. I, and I, I'm a little conflicted on the acting just because like I can in my head acknowledge that Alden Ehrenreich did a great job. He is still not really Han for me, but that's okay because he did a great job and he did what was asked of him. See, I this is this is an interesting discussion that I've been seeing floating around social media. You know, when the discussion is actually a discussion, not just like you know people screaming into the void, <laughs> as as often happens with fandom. Um, but I, I I agree with a lot of people who are kind of pleasantly surprised by him. Like I don't think we really knew what to expect, and a lot of people based off the trailers are kind of like, eh, I don't know about this kid. But um, I think he pulled Didn't it off. They have to bring an acting coach in for him. <laughs> they did. Well, they did, but unclear if that was his fault or the director's, because yeah, that was I, like I, 
I know, but I, it was just some. It was something that I was hearing in the discourse. <laughs> Hashtag discourse. I know. <laughs> um, but no, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I I thought his performance was. I mean, it's definitely a younger Han, um, and it's definitely uh, what is it? Ten years from who he is in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely see how um, the character that Alden was portraying really fits into the character that. Harrison originated in the original trilogy. Um, and Zoraida Cordova, who I'm um, Star Wars author, uh, she has a short story in From a Certain Point of View. And if you want to hear us talk about that, it was in some past episode. I don't know. We'll put it in the episode description because I don't know what numbers do. Um, but anyway, she had this tweet that was like um, saying that Alden portrayed Han like, Han thinks he's cool, but he's actually a giant dork. And Alden really, like, captured the fact that Han Solo is a giant fucking awkward dork. And I completely agree with that assessment. Absolutely. And I will also say, like, if you loved Alden, like, I know, Kate, you really did. Like, it's you you should. He did a very good job. I think part of my opinion is also that Han has never been, in particular, my favorite character on screen. Um, so that's that's also part of it. I just don't really have that emotional connection to seeing young Han. Because you're a bad person. Yep. I mean, I was. I mean, I was one of the people who was like, "Why do we like who asked for this movie?" And so I came out of it having really enjoyed it. So that's fair enough. Um, now, can I say what Rob Lindot said? Because it's actually related now. Yes, because uh, I, I feel heard and seen. Christ Almighty, I hate white people. Um. So Rob Rob says, uh, "Was I the only one who thought Aaron Reich did a did a better job than Glover and was very surprised by that?" Um. I wouldn't say that he did a better job than donald glover because my opinion like donald glover just is lando like he got it down to the facial expressions the mannerisms the way he spoke it was incredible like he obviously spent a lot of time uh chatting with billy d just to get that character down um um rob also says i just want to note that i unabashedly love the movie i loved it so much and like part agree yeah rob i i don't like it i don't agree with it (laughs) but i accept it um, I actually, I do, I get it. Um, I don't, I also don't agree. I loved Donald Glover in this movie. I think for me personally, and I would actually love whenever this comes out, tweet at us and like, let me know if you have more thoughts on this. Cause I'm actually very interested to know the one, there were parts, there were a few parts with Billy D or excuse me. Wow. With Donald Glover as Lando, where it felt like he was doing more of an impression than making it his own. And I thought that those parts were weaker. Just like very isolated moments. Example? Um, there was like a few instances where he put on a little bit of like an aff- like an affected accent. Yeah, but mm. that's how he talks. You need to watch Empire again. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Probably that's what I'm saying. I like... Yeah. To me, to me what, was so, what was interesting about... Aaron Reich's portrayal and interesting about Glover's portrayal is making these characters their own. Sure. Whereas I thought that there were a few points and I'm curious to know if this was related to the different directors, but I did think that there were a few points where Donald Glover was less making it his own and more doing an impression. And that didn't work quite as much for me. I will say I, I personally I, like I said, I don't really agree with you personally, Rob, in that like I thought that Glover just absolutely blew it out of the water. 
But thinking of those specific isolated moments, I am I'm wondering if that's what you mean. Um, I want uh, you were asking whether whether you that might be attributed to the different directors. I think it was because um, I remember when Lord Miller got fired and they brought on Ron Howard. Um, you know, it was one of those articles. I was just like, not an insight source says, but what the, part of what this person was definitely saying was that. Um, you know, um, Kathleen Kennedy was reviewing some of the footage and the Kazans were review- reviewing the footage and they just didn't love some of the performances that they were getting out of the actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, Alden was singled out. But um, one of the things that this quote-unquote anonymous source said was that um, Kennedy was honestly looking f- for the actors to lean more on an impression as opposed to doing whatever the fuck, I guess. Hmm. Which was interesting. That's interesting because I feel like most of it was not impressions. And that's when it was strongest. Sure. So that's very interesting. Kristen, you talk. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I think part of it is we have so much more screen time of Han than we do of Lando. I mean, to a certain... Although, I don't know, like, how it susses out. It, feel- it certainly feels like we have a lot more screen time of Han. Um, and we have a lot more, like, s- scenes where Han is kind of the... One of the main er focuses. Mainer is a word. Um, <laughs> Mainer is so a I word, think, just like, not in the sense that you wanted it. God damn it. I know. Thank you. I know Mainer is a word. Thank you. It's people from Maine. Um, <laughs> Chris, can you shut up? <laughs> I'm I'm aware. Thank you. Um, it would be capital M. Yes. Um, but anyway, oh, now I'm all. Derailed. Sorry. It doesn't matter. It's not your fault. Yes, it is. It is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we just have like more. We just have, I think, a better idea of like what Hondo's. Um, Lando. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even mean Lando. Freudian slip. <laughs> you Han. That's the most Freudian goddamn slip. Hondo very good. Hondo's that was Hondo's very good. It's a good ship name, though. It is. Anyway, uh, it's right. Go on, go. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, ship, oh my god. Hando? Let me. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Talking about me, Han. Let me. Okay. Han, I feel like we have a much better idea of who he is before this movie. You know, we have a lot more source material. Oh, Quinn's cooking dinner. Um, We have a lot more source material. Um, He was supposed to work tonight and he's not. We have a lot more source material from the original trilogy. Totally. Of him and like how he acts and like his faults and like maybe things that are good about him as well. Like blah, blah, blah. How he interacts with people. Whereas like... Lando was always just kind of like the side character. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get some of him, right? We get some of him in two of the original trilogy movies. But I think, like, we have a... But it's funny because I feel like a lot of people have a lot more feelings and opinions about, like, what Lando feels like. Well, okay. Can I just... We we might have to yes. cut this out later because I don't want to sound racist. But, like... um. There was just this, like, this large contingent of the fandom who was just like, I don't understand why Billy D is not in the sequel trilogy because he was a major character in Virtual Crows. Like, I'm like, have you seen those movies lately? No, he's not. Like, I don't want to at all minimize um, what Billy D means to Black Star Wars fans um, or anything like that because, like, his casting was 
significant and i mean it was it was significant in the fandom it was significant in cinema at the time it's significant for sci-fi like seriously like it was important but his character in and of himself like great character um got a decent amount of development for being a secondary character but he was the secondary character like there was an original trio lando was not in that just saying (laughs) i don't think that makes you sound racist i think that makes it sound like you uh I've read literature in the past. <laughs> Thanks. Before. Yeah, but I'm just like, people are just being like, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I mean, these are, I mean, I, notwithstanding the fact that Billy Williams is, you know, um, you know, he's an older guy now and he's not as mobile as he used to be. And like, I mean, do, at least like on a, I, I can't, I can't speak for how he feels, but on a personal level, if that were me, like I wouldn't want to see myself on screen. And he's been more than generous in terms of, you know, consulting on solo and doing voice acting for rebels and other stuff like i don't whatever (laughs) also just looking at lando's character i don't i personally don't think it would make sense that he would be part of the resistance Mm -mm. yeah cakes i i don't know that i have an opinion around this but i think it would have made sense either way to have him or not have him you know yeah that's fair like i don't think it Mm -hmm. I, i think Especially because we're talking about movies and these are actors that are real people and they get to fucking decide. Mm-hmm. And I bet he got asked and fucking decided not to be in it. Yeah, that's what I'm we saying. We don't know that. I have, right. I have nothing. Yeah, I have nothing backing that up. But that's my that's my gut instinct. And we I mean, I respect that. And they have to write around that. And that's fine. And I'm not mad. <laughs> like, yeah. I get it. He's a super important character to a lot of different people that are not fucking white and me right right i i get that though like i i mean i shouldn't say it like that that sounded annoying but um but i fucking get it you want to see him right but also like we we need more representation anyway right (laughs) so let's let us continue to push on down that path of more representation um and not hem and haw over the fact that Billy Dee's like I'm fucking old and I don't want to be in this movie thank you right I mean obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but that this is a hill people choose to die on is odd to me um Star Wars in a nutshell (laughs) switching gears was anyone else pleasantly surprised by Amelia Clark yes uh yeah yeah I've I've never I, I this I already have a soapbox to get on this episode. This I'm not going to get on this soapbox. I will say I am a Game of Thrones fan in that I enjoy watching the TV show. I don't think it's a particularly good TV show and I don't think that Amelia Clark is particularly good in it. With that as my ground as my like the ground that I'm standing on, I thought that she was good in Solo. I think one of the things that Solo was able to bring out in her acting ability that I think Game of Thrones tries to bring out and fails at is that She's really good at being both really vulnerable and really steely. Yes. And I think she, in that sense, like she, her skill set was perfect for being Kira. Agreed. I thought that she was interestingly written very well. I know. What happened there? (laughs) There were two white men writing the script. I know. Like, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected them to write her particularly well. I know. I loved it. Yeah. She was so complicated. I can't wait to wait to blah, blah, I can't wait to read Most Wanted by Ray Carson, which we'll be doing on the pod later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. What's that book about? Sorry. It's, it's about <laughs> Han and Kira. On Corellia. Oh. Dope. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. 
Um, uh, <laughs> I was just about to ask, ready? Are you ready for the most me question? Yes, ma'am. How old was Amelia Clark at the beginning of Game of Thrones? <laughs> um, like the actress or the character? The actress. Oh, God, I have no idea. Because Game of Thrones aired 2011? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, we saw her okay. boobs, so I hope that she was 18. Well, she was. Thanks um, for that. I want to say early, I want to say like around 23 or something, but then. Yeah, I think she was like right. 22, 23 when it, it was first filmed. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is like, sorry, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast, but it, like, I actually really like her as an actress and I'm like, I don't think Game of Thrones is what she should be best known for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 but, I, I'm, after seeing Solo, I'm very on board with that take. Yeah. Um, not that I know her. I fucking don't watch anything, but I'm like, I'm sure she's in other things and I'm sure she was great in them. <laughs> I know nothing. Um, because I think she has a lot of potential in Game of Thrones and I really like the character and I'm like, I blame the writers on Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always blame the writers. I think she's a good actress. <laughs> always blame the writers. They're garbage. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was Game of Thrones pod. Anyway, um, so great to have such a different female lead I know. in a Star Wars movie. Seriously. Um British with brown hair. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Small. Uh, <laughs> Although uh Ray uh she has a name. Daisy um, Ridley. A real one. Daisy oh. Ridley. She's like she's like taller than all the rest of the not that it matters, but isn't she like much taller than the rest of the brunette squad? Oh absolutely. She's... And that and that she's a normal height, yes. <laughs> Well, isn't she like 5'8 or 5'7? Oh, I don't know. And the rest of the brunettes are like 5'1. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> Just, I always find that. Rem- I mean, I'm a, f- a fucking 5'6 brunette. I'm like, how tall are they? Oh <laughs> Must compare to self. <laughs> Keeks' two eternal questions. When are we and how tall are you? <laughs> how old yeah. are you? Exactly. How old are you and how tall are you? <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> Keep going. Um... Speaking of uh, being being uh, focusing on on details, um, anything we didn't like? I have things, but I mean, like we should get it out of the way now, Val. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Val's. Uh, let me be clear. Val's treatment. Yes. Val. We. Lo- oh yeah. Um. Stop fridging. Yeah. Please. Little fucks. Please. And you know, we'll t- we'll talk about this a little bit more later because um. Well, I've got a whole, I've got a whole list of folks who want to talk a little bit about representation-related things in Star Wars. Um, but Val, the uh, how quickly Val died sucked ass. Um, how quickly L three died Ugh. sucked major ass. And yeah, like there were two really interesting um, characters who clearly had a whole lot of backstory there, and just nope. Oh look, they're dead. That's great. I guess. Thanks for that. Ugh. I hate it. Yeah. Moving on. At least they let L3 do, like, kind of stuff. They didn't let Valley do fucking anything. Oh, my God, I know. Yeah. Um, I didn't like Beckett. I thought that he was a boring character. I think Woody Harrelson is a boring and not particularly talented actor. And I don't understand what... I mean, I understand what his point was in this movie. His point was to be generic. I just don't know why he was in it. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but I wish that Beckett had been Val. Oh, totally. I also just wish that Woody Harrelson hadn't been in this movie, to be honest. <laughs> I just don't think he's a good actor. That's fair. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, hot take of the day. 
That's not my hot take of the day. Look, We're getting to my hot take of the day. Don't worry. God. Don't you worry, friends. We're standing behind the white man like a shield. <laughs> Kristen, anything that bugged you? Oh, yeah, Val and ugh, the fact that there was not enough representation in this movie, twist. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> the fact that they needed to pander to the LBGT. Q. What are we saying now? LGBTQ plus, or are we putting a plus after the T? I know nothing. Where are we going with What's... this? Oh, I was just gonna say that they were like saying Lando's pansexual without making him pansexual. Oh, okay. Queer baiting. Okay. <laughs> there were queer queer baiting. Thank yes. you. That's what we call yes. it. <laughs> we were just like, sorry. We were just like, tell me more queer about how they're pandering to queers. No, okay. We got we got there. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no yeah. i was very confused i was like is keek secretly an mra like what's happening here <laughs> no i didn't like the queer baby yes no absolutely <laughs> yes oh god that's such a great thing to bring up and i totally agree with that yeah the captains really need to stop talking just stop stop talking either make them queer in the movie and say they're queer look at the textual or screen evidence yep or stop Saying that they're queer and then not putting it on screen. I know. And also, like, the mo- I think the most frustrating thing about that for me are- is that Lando flirts with various beings at multiple, like, every turn, basically. And, you know, there's there's no reason why, for example, um, when during the Sabacc game at the end, um, he couldn't have been flirting with a clearly male, um, like, being. Like... I think it's... It would have been such an easy thing to do. I know. And it's just, like, it's so easy for, like, a dumb, like, fuckboys to write off um, Lando flirting with Han like he's kidding or... So- like, just to say that he was kidding or something like that, you know? It's just what bros do, okay? It's super straight. <laughs> <laughs> About a straight... Sometimes they just... Oh my god, I'm just not going to say what I am gonna. What I was just going to say, because that's just not appropriate. It's about as heterosexual <laughs> as football is. Anyway, um... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And baseball. Oh, yeah. Also baseball. Oh, the sports ball. <laughs> All right. Do we want to get to the meat of it, guys? Um, I just, I, I want to add that we had our qualms with this movie. We all generally enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, that's awesome. Continue to enjoy it. If you didn't enjoy it, that's also awesome. Continue to not enjoy it. Stop yelling at each other about whether they not whether or not they enjoyed it. Unless yes. they didn't enjoy it. Because they're misogynistic racists. Oh, yeah. I mean. Which goes without saying, but, you know, I'm saying it anyway. Yeah, racists always accepted. Yes. We love telling racists to fuck off on this podcast. We really do. (laughs) All right. And bigots. Yes. And Nazis. Yeah, bigots need not apply. (laughs) The list list goes on. Mm. (laughs) All right. Shall we talk about Maul, guys, and what he means? I would love to talk about Maul. All right, let's talk. I about feel like Maul. I feel like you all need to you all need to talk about Maul, and then I'm gonna get on my soapbox because <laughs> I don't want to dominate Kate, this start. entire podcast. <laughs> all right, Kate, you start. You know, the, Kate screamed in the theater from what Bria told me. Uh, yes. So, um, when I, the first time I went to see Solo, I saw it with Chris and I saw I also saw it with Bria um, at Chaos Bria on Twitter, and I was sitting between them. And uh, Maul stands up and he takes off his hood, and I literally we were in the one of those theaters with the reserve seats, so you know we had the recliners and everything. I sunk down in my seat so far, I almost fell out of it because I was like too busy like flapping and dying and like all this other stuff. It was all I could do not to start screaming. And of course, half the theater was like. 
oh my god and half the theater was like i don't know who the fuck this guy is so <laughs> because they don't remember the prequels so whatever um but uh we want to talk about mall uh because this seems to be an opportune point where lucasfilm can really lean into this whole concept of integrated storytelling that we've been talking about a lot meaning that you know it's not just it's not the case anymore as it was with um, the old EU that the films came first, um, they were primary canon, and then the EU was just extra material. Like, if you wanted to keep reading stuff that happened in the Star Wars universe, it was, like, basically sanctioned fanfic, and it all contradicted each other, and none of it made sense, um, you know, in relation to one another, and sometimes it didn't make sense in and of a single book, but, you know, whatever. Um but what we're basically arguing with this podcast, and this is what we've been saying all along, is that um, Lucasfilm is creating a new model for storytelling that literally no one has ever seen before. Um, the closest thing that I can think of to it is Marvel, where you know we've got 20-odd movies that all interconnect and they all tell one larger story. And you know we've got tie-in comics for that and all this other stuff, but... Even Marvel, um, you know, the storylines in the movies don't necessarily connect to the storylines in all the comics, and those don't necessarily connect to all the storylines in the video games, etc., etc. Star Wars is doing something completely different. It is telling the story, uh, the one story about one made-up galaxies far, far away, and everything fits together. Everything fits together in terms of timeline, um, every, like, you know, the characters encounter each other. Um, you know, we, we saw this basically first happen, um, in terms of, um, a character crossing over from a non, non-film media into film with Sagarera and Rogue One. He, of course, appeared, um, in the Clone Wars series and later in Star Wars Rebels. Um, he's, I think he's appeared in the comics, right, Chris? Saw? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, whatever. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure he has. Uh. Maybe I made that up. I thought he had. I don't, I don't think so. Well, either way. Um, you know, for anybody who's a new listener, tell them why we don't read the comics. Kate. Oh, yes, we don't read the comics because Marvel is currently headed by a white dude who pretended to be a Japanese dude one time just so we could get jobs. As y'all probably know, but if you're a new listener here. Stevie Sapolsky can eat my butthole. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, so we so we were... Really hoping on the pod that Saw wasn't just a one-off in terms of, um, you know, really um, making all these media interconnect. And apparently now we have Maul, which is honestly a much bigger deal than Saw was because um, Maul is a major character. He appeared in the prequels. Uh, Dave Filoni brought him back to life as Spider-Maul in the Clone Wars. And the fact that he is alive is basically a fact you could only get if you had watched the Clone Wars. Otherwise, you were just sitting there like... I thought this guy got cut in half. So, which he did, but now he's half a robot, whatever. Um, so, yeah. Chris, do you want to talk or do you want me to go through a little bit more? Oh, I'm happy to launch in. It's whatever whatever you want. Keeks, what did you, what did you think oh, of Maul? I can keep, I can talk. Spider-Maul, Spider-Maul. I literally started um, singing out <laughs> in the theater. I was so fucking obnoxious. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's funny because, like, you guys... Uh, coastal elites here tm um you guys had like half the people knew what the fuck was going on and we both we, just to be clear we all saw it opening night i think around the same 
time locally. So like oh, I saw it at like seven Pacific, and you guys saw it at like seven thirty Eastern or something like that. Yeah, thereabouts. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was one of the first showings. It was <laughs> um, on on Thursday, and uh, so half of like nobody really freaked out in my theater, which is like very like a cultural. Of course not. Very reserved and not screaming here, but um, I, I freaked the fuck out, obviously. Um, but here, I think it was a lot more kind of casual Star Wars fans that were like, huh, is this before the the guy got cut in half that we know of? And I'm like, nope, it's it's not. It's after that. That's the point of this. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting. I mean, like, that's definitely something that I think... Not that they could have done it differently, but um, I think it's a very interesting thing that I would not have considered. <laughs> I'm like, oh, people just think that this is a different part in the timeline because they don't think about when Han was born and blah, 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 blah. I mean, oh, my God, when Han was born. How old Han is? How about that? How about a more normal way to say it? Um, <laughs> no, honestly, just like sidebar, I've heard that reaction um, secondhand from other people, and I'm like... I don't understand how people could get that confused unless they just weren't paying attention during the prequels. So I don't like some people are saying that like that the saying that that was confusing and therefore a fault of the writing or whatever the hell. And I'm like, no, that's a fault of people not like being able to like stick their eyeballs on a movie and concentrate. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, and it's like uh, these people are not us, right? Like most people, uh, the shitty prequels. Um, <laughs> They have not seen the first shitty prequel since the first shitty prequel came that's out. That's true. You know? Yeah, that's very true. So if we're, th- if we're talking about casual Star Wars fans, we definitely have to, like, think about that subsect because that totally exists. I'm like, because, I, yeah. you know, I went, with, I went with friend of the pod, Quinn, who's making us delicious uh, mahi salads right now. Mm-hmm. Bless his soul. Um, I know. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he probably, like, saw Phantom Menace on VHS a couple times after he saw it in the theater. That's the last time he saw it, right? You Like, you know, f- 15 years ago or something. Right. Um, if even, Or even longer, 20 years ago. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how timelines <laughs> line up with his age. But, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that they, if you're not thinking about this every day like us, three fuckers are um and you're not watching the cartoons which none of those people are um and you're not blah 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 add 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 if you're only there for the movies and you're only casually there for the movies it's like i get i get it and i don't know what they could have done differently but i was hyped as a star wars fan yeah but at the same time i didn't think it was like uh i didn't think it was like fan service it didn't feel fan servicey to me mm-hmm. i i think i think it if maybe it felt a little bit fan servicey to me, but um, like I definitely walked out of the theater being uh, being like, I feeling like I have been rewarded, you know, for 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 yes. getting through uh, the first two and a half seasons of the Clone Wars. Um, but also, I don't know. Like I feel like you know, I, Keeks. I think um, Miranda at Real Baby Bird. She she went to go see it with her roommate, who's not. Even a casual Star Wars fan, I would say. I would say he's like he's just like a movie going human being, um, and you know she wanted to see Solo, and he's like, sure, it's a big movie that's coming out, I'll go see it. And he like didn't remember who Maul was, 
Like, he was just like, who the fuck is this yeah. red guy with the horns? And I don't think it... And he also has, like, an amazingly good memory. Oh, really? But he's also... He's... he's oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I will ask Josh about stuff. <laughs> Josh is who we're talking about. Josh is not listening to the podcast. You're the worst, Josh. Um, <laughs> you ho. He, he... No, he has, like, a very... Like, especially about sports. Mm. You can... Oh, you can you can ask him uh like random sports shit from years past and he'll usually remember it's really really wild so i'm very interested in that but at the same time he's he's much younger than us not much younger but he's younger than us for sure so he was young like if he is not a star wars person i'm sure he saw it in the theater and that was it right yeah and that was when he was like i don't know how old were we when it came out yeah he would he would have been under 10 yeah Right, like- exactly. That, yeah, exactly. So, and that kind of checks out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, what I'm tra- the point I'm trying to make is that he, like, you know, he was just, like, kind of curious, like, huh, who's that guy? Like, it didn't hinder his yeah, experience. Yeah, sorry to derail your point. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. Like, it, it didn't really hinder his experience. I'm kind of interested. My mom hasn't seen it yet. Um, And for those of you... Your mom goes to see Star Wars movies? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, <laughs> including Kristen, who I have known for, you know, however long, but th- that's fine. Um... <laughs> So my mom and I don't have a great relationship, but like the one thing that we can agree on and have a simple civil conversation about is Star Wars. Oh my god, I didn't fucking know. Yeah, like my mom my mom Yeah, I would say my mom is not a Star Wars super fan like we are, um, but I would say she's she's like a little bit more than a casual fan. You know, she's seen every movie, she she loved she absolutely loved um the original trilogy. Back when it came out, she saw she saw all three movies in theaters. Um, she was all too happy to let my aunt corrupt me by uh, putting the A New Hope on the TV when I was five, so I could watch um, um, poor um, crispy um, Uncle Owen and Aparu, which haunted my nightmares for the next like <laughs> five years. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see what her reaction is if she remembers Maul, like how much, how many questions she may or may not have, you know, depending on whether she remembers him and like how much it actually like affects her movie going experience because i really do feel like for most people they were kind of like the half of the theater that like didn't react and was confused about the half of the theater that did i don't think they gave a fuck honestly boom so yeah i don't know um what was i gonna say chris you want to get up on your soapbox so ready yes so a few things are happening here so chris is saying some things um we've heard um, you know, from other people that um, Maul might have been more of a last minute decision. Um, I'm going to post an article from Wired about that. But, um, you know, something about how uh, they always, the the Kazans always felt like Dryden Voss had um, a bigger boss. You know, he wasn't the actual head of Crimson Dawn, but they weren't sure who that was going to be. And they floated Maul for a little bit. And then finally they were like, yeah, let's make it Maul. Um which, you know, it doesn't necessarily feel as shoehorned into me, like, in that kind of framing as it does for other people, I guess. Um, but, you know, p- people are pointing to this, like, you know, the story group doesn't actually have a, lar- a a big plan like Marvel does. They're just kind of doing whatever, which, eh, I think, Chris, you're going to address that, I assume. I, I, I definitely, I mean, I'm going to address it in what I think. I have no insider knowledge, but yes. Sure, sure. Um, and the other thing is, um, uh, you know, uh, other things that Chris is going to address as he goes on his uh, on his spiel. Um, friend of the pod, Tits McGee. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. Um, he was he was asking us how um, the mall cameo uh, fits in with the discussion we had during our AwesomeCon panel 
about how the films leaning on quote unquote ancillary material can alienate casual fans. Um, and if you want to look it's a, at great, it's a great question, yes, it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, we love you. Um, and if you want to listen to our awesome con panel, I'll link to that in the episode description as well. But I am going to gonna dust off this soapbox for Christopher and let him step on up. All right. Perfect. So first of all, you all took a bunch of my points, which is great because um, I think we're very much on the same page about this. You just punched the microphone. I did punch the microphone because I'm trying to scroll down. I have like a whole page of notes here. It really is a whole page of notes. It's like disgusting on the LA right now. Sorry, I'm just trying to scroll. I can scroll for you. Can you get off my computer? Right, we're good. Okay. We're good. Chris's Chris's soapbox is what the uh, no, it literally is, says this in the, the LA. All right, so there's a couple aspects of this. Um, I will I will say up front, I loved Maul's cameo for a few reasons. Um, just from a story perspective, which I think is the less important one here for our purposes, I personally really enjoyed it i like maul's character i know that people don't all love clone wars and rebels maul i really do i think he's really interesting um so i was glad to see him get some love in the films and be exposed to a wider audience um that being said i also love the new integrated approach that lucasfilm is doing i think very much as you said kate i think that lucasfilm is trying to completely reinvent the way that we consume media. And this is an idea that we've talked about in the past, both at the Awesome Con panel and on this podcast when we talk about, like, what does this add to the Star Wars universe? Yeah, especially when we talk about, you know, we've talked about Battlefront before, the video game. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the TV shows. We, talk, we talked about Rebels. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, again, much like you said, I'm going to say much like Kate said and Kristen said, but Marvel was very new when they did their approach, and it was a risk. And the the assumption that people would go see enough films that it would all pay off after 16 films or however many led up to Infinity War. Because that's what it was all leading up to. And really, it's all leading up to the fourth one. Um, then it was a risk. And now, like, we all make fun of, like, the New Yorker review that said the Infinity War didn't have enough characterization in it. Um, but I think <laughs> that... <laughs> I think that what Lucasfilm is doing is different but similar in scope I, because it to me and again this is all my opinion i actually really enjoy talking about this issue so i encourage you to like talk to me on twitter um and like let's have a discussion about this but i think that lucasfilm is not putting all their eggs in the film basket and it's it's really risky i think this is a huge risk for the star wars franchise because like obviously movies have the biggest audience right now everybody knows or not everybody, excuse me, knows to read the books. Not very many people watch Clone Wars anymore. Uh, not that many people in the grand scheme of things watch Rebels. It's super risky. Um, but I I don't know. I really love it. I think that it is a completely, if they get it right, I think it is a complete game changer, not just for movies, but for the way that we consume media and that Star Wars is trying to be on the cutting edge of the way that media is consumed in, I mean, in the U.S. because it's all for a U.S. audience, but globally. Like, I honestly do think that this is Lucasfilm looking at the universe and wanting to make their own artistic universe and create their own artistic vision in a completely unprecedented way. 
And I think one thing that lends credence to that is the fact that um, right now they are really leaning into TV pretty much as much as they're leaning into film. Um, you know, they had Star Wars Resistance teed up right right for um, the season after Rebels ended. Um, they're doing live action. I, you know, they're, 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 they're putting money into it, you know? Like, they're, they're putting money and resources into all these things, and it used to mostly be the movies, like, the books and whatever else would happen, and no one would actually, like, review them or anything. Absolutely. And, and, and look, I want to, like, one, one thing that has been brought up by many, many people, particularly comes to mind, um, our pod parents of, uh, at Lane Winry and at Nancy Pants uh, of Tachi Station Radio Network, um, they have brought up that Star Wars runs the risk of becoming inaccessible to new fans or casual fans. And I think that that's a very fair risk. Um, I think, or rather, I think that that's a very fair statement that that risk exists. Um, to me, I think that... I think that what Lucasfilm is doing is that they're not putting all their eggs in the film basket... And because like, and, and as I, as we just said, that's risky, but also I think that Lucasfilm is also acknowledging that big movies are starting to become a little less promising, a little, it's a little harder to get a blockbuster that makes a ton of money or rather that makes as much profit. Obviously they're making more and more money because inflation, but like that makes as much profit. And I think that part of the issue here. Is, well, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going. Um, <laughs> well, let's let me. I would like to also add, it's getting more and more expensive to make blockbusters. It's getting more and more expensive movies. to make the movies, not just inflation. And, yeah. and there, and there's a lot of, um, you know, fatigue in the audience towards sequels and spinoffs yep. and these big box movies that you know, I mean, that quite frankly, they have very predictable plots. And also, the mo- the film industry as a whole is not particularly one that's growing and i think that lucasfilm is seeing the not not the writing on the wall movies aren't going anywhere but they're seeing that there's an opportunity to change how we consume media and like they're not giving us what we want necessarily but they're giving us what they think we need for the franchise and they're taking risks and it is scary because honestly this could all crash and burn like there is the possibility that they will do this in such a way that quote-unquote casual fans, which I really hate that term because it feels very pejorative, but like the quote-unquote casual fans won't see these movies anymore and won't consume the other media either. And I think that that's definitely a risk. I also think that if this is done right, if it's done in such a way that each movie and each TV series and each story is its own jumping off point, and can lead people into the larger universe. I think that that's something that's completely unprecedented in entertainment media. I think it's an artistic vision that we haven't seen the scope of in media in a very long time, if ever. And I think that that is the kind of boundary pushing that makes the future of Star Wars potentially really, really, really exciting. And I think that the risks, again, it's risky, but... To me, and this is my opinion, to me as a fan, if it fails, then it fails. And we have the Skywalker saga and a few spinoffs. And that's what we have of Star Wars. And that's never going to be taken away from us. And to me, 
this is a perfect time to start doing something like this because they have all these new angles of the universe to work with that they can build off of, that they can do stuff that's completely new. And I think it is a perfect time for Lucasfilm to be doing this and hopefully try to change the narrative around what fans will and won't consume and what stories fans will and won't keep track of. Totally. And I mean, you you talking about how things are starting to shift away from cinema. I mean, it's obvious that a, some of the best storytelling out there right now is on TV. Yeah. Or it's on things made for Netflix. And so um, just as a sidebar, I'm really interested to see what um, Lucasfilm under the Disney umbrella does with um, Disney streaming service. I mean, and that is an undeniable, an unignorable part of this Mm -hmm. that Disney is getting into that field and all of this is going to be available under one banner totally um you know I think that there are specific aspects of the specific mall cameo that people have issues with and I think it's fair I mean one one thing that I heard a lot very fairly is that it's not fair to expect people to have watched a cartoon from 10 years ago which I get I get it but also like it's on Netflix and also, I mean, my thing is I didn't, I didn't see, like, I enjoyed it. I felt like it was a big plot point. Kind of to what you were saying, Kate and Kristen, about, like, people's reactions. I didn't see it as that huge a plot point. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Like, I don't think, like, to my point about, like, making sure that every movie can be an entry point, I didn't feel like this was something that, like, didn't make the movie make sense or that hindered someone's enjoyment of the movie. I think that it is something that leads to questions and leads to people like potentially getting more involved in the universe. And obviously that approach takes fine tuning. Obviously the way that they do it takes fine tuning. I also think that it is necessary to point out that Marvel got to do all of this with their entire vision from scratch. Whereas Lucasfilm had six movies plus the Clone Wars to deal with before they were able to start thinking of this wider universe and expansion that the Lucasfilm story group is giving us right now and they have to work around that um but I just to me personally I I mean and it's also influenced by the fact that I have not run into anybody personally in my life who was like really put off by the mall cameo but I I don't see it as an accessibility problem so so two things here um first of all what they're doing is they're people are like who is this guy they google it they're driving traffic to an old joke there is they're making money. They don't care. And the second the second thing is that um, I saw a tweet the other day and I wish I could remember who tweeted it. But um, basically the person characterized the the mall bit as being akin to the post credit scenes in a Marvel movie where it kind of teases. I, well, I think that was um, Brian underscore Nov. Thank you. Um, where basically it teases, um, um, you know, future possible movie plot points. And you know what? People... See those, see those after credit scenes in a Marvel movie. And, like, not everyone there is a comic books fan. I didn't know, for example, after Infinity War, spoiler alert, but um, the uh, Captain Marvel's, like, logo symbol thing. Like, I had to go look that up. Yeah, I, that entire post credit scene was lost on me. Yeah, and, like, and they're often lost on me. I have still not seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I don't watch anything. Keep fine. going. <laughs> but and you know these things are often lost on me. So I'll go back and I'll Google it and I'll be and I'll find out about it. And I'll be like and then I'll be like. I mean, 
I'm already excited for the next Marvel movie because I stay in Marvel pretty hard. But uh, I, you know, I, I'm even more excited about the next movie. And like, and that doesn't bother me, you know, as a person who's not really all that well versed in comics. Yeah. Just saying. I think the I think the hardcore fandom is potentially overestimating how put off casual fans are by this. Potentially, again. I, I want to hear people's experiences if you just have experiences that, like, somebody was really, really put off by this. Um, I think that's possible. I also think that Lucasfilm is betting that we are underestimating how much casual fans are willing to get into if we give them a reason. Ooh, that's a great point. Um, yeah, Kiki. Yes. I would like to, as always, be the person that says, Star Wars is for children. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, and if there's someone... I shouldn't say someone because corporations aren't people, despite what the Supreme Court says. <laughs> if there's a corporation that knows how the fuck to pander to children and sell shit, it's Disney. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, I kind of see this every day when I'm, um, you know, put- putzing around. If I'm like on a plane or something, Rebels is available on planes. I see so many kids watching Rebels. I'm like, oh, like children watch this. Oh, really? That's so sweet. Like they know what the... Yeah, like, ch- like of course children want... If children did not watch it, they would not put it on the air. It's Disney, and they know what the fuck they're doing with their marketing. Yeah. And it's. I think it's really interesting because, like, I think this multifaceted, multimedia approach to things is actually very much geared towards a different generation yep. than the generation we're Ooh. in and the generation above us. Um, you know, the generation above us being who original... Star Wars came out for, and then we are the prequel mm-hmm. generation. Lord help us. Um, <laughs> but Kristen, and now you know. You no, what? sorry, you finish your point. I thought you were done. Oh no. Um, I mean, I I think you know there are a lot of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve year olds who are like, "Give me books." Yes, I I do. Yes, give it to me. I do. I great, perfect. Let's learn all about Star Wars. Oh, this is a thing. Okay, great. love wookies let's like let's get a visual dictionary like it's not obviously like it's not for us it's just not yeah totally i mean yeah no that's 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 a fantastic point and and i just want to say like in terms of the the sequel trilogy generation my boss's son is 14 15 he's reading the old thrawn trilogy from legends right now and he fucking loves it and he like doesn't give he, he like doesn't give a flying fuck that's not canon because he just thinks it's interesting and we wouldn't have either when we were 14 if we were into star Hell wars no. when we were 14 exactly right? i mean not that i wasn't into star wars when i was 14 but no it's a different exactly thing. exactly like it's all gonna be fine <laughs> and also i think i think a lot of people are still in this mindset of star wars as a precious resource right because like Ooh, we yeah. went i say we i wasn't even part of this because i was not born when the original trilogy came out like, there are fans who went literal decades without Star Wars content. And it feels like a missed opportunity if everything doesn't make sense and everything doesn't fit into this, this like, kind of, this perfect timeline and, like, everything, people don't like everything. And this is all, where we get a lot of, like, some of the toxicity in fandom, but that's a whole different topic. But I do think that it's worth noting that part of the goal 
potentially behind part of the benefit of this mode of storytelling is that there is so much content that people can like there can be the hardcore fans like us who consume everything and who know everything and love everything there can also be the quote-unquote casual fans who just like thrawn or who just like uh honda honda who just who just <laughs> like hondo yeah absolutely but like i think it's i i think that the new material and the way it's being handled is reflective of the fact that this is not a small galaxy anymore this is not a galaxy that is confined to six movies or even nine movies this is a galaxy that is going to continue growing for the next 10 20 30 maybe even more years depending on how successful they are at what they're doing right now and lord lord willing yeah right <laughs> give me more star wars and i think and I, and that's new and it's really different and it's really weird because we've never consumed a fictional universe that has kept growing over that amount of time i mean totally not in this this is like when sorry no i mean not in this manner i mean obviously you have comic books you have stuff sure you i mean you even have stuff like lord of the rings where they just keep fucking digging up poor J.R. tolkien's like fucking old stuff that he never wanted to get published actually (laughs) like that's 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 true time span wise you're right but like in in this manner sure like in this quantity sure um active writing across mediums and so and and with as many different voices in it as well i think is really interesting yeah yeah keeks Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, this is, like, you know, uh, no, not everyone in my life, well, most people in my life know that I'm, like, a big fucking Star Wars nerd. And it's so funny, because, like, I'll get a little bit bashful if we're, like, out with people and Quinn brings it up. And then we get home and he goes, I don't understand why you're, like, bashful about it. I'm like, because I run a fucking Star Wars podcast and it's, like, not a thing that most people do. And he's like... No, everyone does that. Like, it's the biggest fucking fandom in the world. This is not niche. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're right. You're actually so right. It's really <laughs> like, oh my God. it's super normal for me to be an adult woman that loves Star Wars so much that I have a podcast with my friends about it. Like, that's actually so much more normal now than it would have been 20 years ago, obviously, because podcasts didn't exist 20 years ago. But yeah, but I mean... No, no, but that's absolutely true. That's fucking adorable. I also want to. I just love it when he's like, "This is not. This is not niche. This is this Star Wars fandom is gigantic." It's true. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, um, we're we're not gonna actually speak of the the clusterfuck that was uh, getting a Star Wars celebration hotel today, which is the day we're recording. Um, but what what? Uh. (laughs) But one of the things that I'm most excited for about celebration is first of all seeing people who don't live close to me including Keeks, um, but also people who, like, I would probably never have met. I know, I know so many people now through through Star Wars, including people from overseas, uh, who I'm so fucking excited to meet. Like, guys, it's all good. Like, a lot of the hashtag discourse run solo is that this this movie is a fucking this movie was a fucking lemon and like you know we can we can argue all all day whether or not this movie is a failure on whatever level you're trying to measure it by I don't know whatever but the beauty of living right now you know is that Chris like you're saying like Star Wars is no longer a precious resource we have just this incredible overabundance of Star Wars and some of it's gonna fucking suck ass and some of it's not or you know either objectively or subjectively but there's always some gonna be something you love so let's all calm down and think about 
more important things, such as getting more representation in Star Wars. <laughs> such as hondo yeah okay wow i will also say and i think that we're gonna get into this with some of the <laughs> questions that are coming up sorry <laughs> i think the number one biggest threat to this new approach is that all the same voices are going to be writing the stories and it's going to become stale and no one's going to care because it's all the same story yeah and i think you do get a little bit of that in solo and i think that that is the number one threat to this new approach so that was the first half of our discussion on solo um now I have to do the credits, which is weird because I never do the credits. Um, but the rest of our thoughts can be found probably later this week on Thursday. Um, but until then, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, um, and by email. Our email address is bookwarspod at gmail.com. We are at bookwarspod at all those other spots. Um, Please do rate, rate, review, and subscribe to us. Um, and also subscribe to the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Um, it helps people find the show. And if you give us nice ratings, we absolutely read them. Um, if you have the means to do so, we also ask that you donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon. Um, that helps cover our hosting and production costs, um, as well as the hosting and production costs of all of the great folks over at Tashi Station. Um, if you want to support this podcast directly, you can donate to our coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Um, our theme song is Whizbang by Paddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Design. And we will talk to you guys later this week. <laughs>